Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. Osiris. And welcome to the Helping Friendly Podcast. I'm Megan. I'm here with RJ and our special guest today, Matt Higgins. Hi, Matt. Hey, everybody. How's it going, Megan? Hey, RJ. Hey, thanks for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. It's always a blast. Thanks, Matt. We're glad you could join us to talk about the show that you saw just a little over a year ago on October 24th, 2021 at the LA Forum. Yeah, it was a great, but I guess this would have been what about the midpoint of fall tour last year. Um, man. And I think at this point we all, we all knew that it was gearing up to be a special one, you know, through the summer, obviously we got, um, we got little, uh, bits and pieces of, you know, not that this was going to be a good year, but really 
hold on to your seats because this whole year we're going to bring new style uh, surprises. We're going to be not only playing songs we haven't played in years, but jamming those songs. And uh, yeah, this was a really great midway point. This was actually at the time a hometown show for me. So I was living in LA um, and fun fact, I think this was my, at the time, 72nd show and only the second time I got to sleep in my bed after. So it was nice. Wow. That's great. <laughs> you earned it for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, before we get into the show, should we remind our subscribers or our listeners, RJ, to subscribe to Osiris Media? Yes, we Apple, should. Right? Oh my yeah. God. And, and we have a new premium offering. Um, if you're not an Apple podcast user, the Apple experience doesn't change at all, but we have a new uh, subscription, Osiris Premium subscription. You go to osirispod.com slash premium and you can learn more there, but you basically get a bunch of, um, sorry, my daughter just came in and brought me a beer, which was really nice. Um, well done. Uh, that was not planned. Um, okay. Osirispod.com slash premium. You can get ad-free podcasts. You can get bonus content. We're going to be doing some meet and greets at shows and AMAs and all kinds of stuff. Um, it's exciting. And, and if you're an Apple subscriber, you can, you can subscribe to Apple premium Osiris as well. So yeah. Thank you, Megan. Yeah. And we're, there's lots of great episodes, like premium episodes of Undermine and HF Pod coming out. We've been recording them weekly for HF Pod and the Undermine ones are going to be amazing because I've been really enjoying listening to the Undermine episodes, RJ. They've been so fun. And I've been making a playlist of all these shows. So if I can't oh, listen wow. to the show, I've got like a playlist. It's incredible to listen to these shows consecutively like this, thinking about just these like heavy hitters leading up to Fall 97. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. That's amazing. Thank you. Thanks for checking it out. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. We we did an amazing interview today with a special guest that will come out later this month or later in November. Um <laughs> We have a bunch of bunch of really cool. We we've released seventeen out of forty six episodes, so you know it's a lot for people to to keep up with, but uh, it's really fun. Thank you for checking it out. Um, the, the format seems to be working for people, you know, at this point, which is which is cool. It's a little bit of a little bit of under the scales, a little bit of undermine, um, and we're having a we're having a blast. So yeah, and they're not super long. The episodes, so you can you know you can get them in yeah. in like half an hour, 40 minutes. So they're exactly. not, they're doable. Yeah. Exactly. Doable. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into it. Matt, do you kind of want to start us off and let us know where you were fall? I know you did a lot of this tour, so fill us in. Oh, hold on, Matt. We can't hear you. Last uh, two years into this, you'd think I would have figured that out. All right. <laughs> we all do it. Uh, yes. We all do it. <laughs> So I, I've been living in LA for the last almost six years at this point. I just moved back to the East Coast, but at the time, um, yeah, this was my hometown show. And being on the East Coast or being on the West Coast, um, you know, a lot of times if I want to see fish, I need to get on a plane and not only get on a plane, but fly across, across the country, um, whether it's two nights, five nights, what have you. So, um, and at the same time, I, I had a feeling I was going to move back east uh, the following year. So I thought, OK, let's go see as much as we can. So I only missed in this tour the two Eugene shows, just wasn't able to swing it. But we started in uh, San Fran- or Sacramento for a night, drove over to San Francisco for those next two. 
had a nice little breather for a few nights back in LA. And then, um, I actually, I just wasn't going to hit the Phoenix show, but decided that night before, ah, screw it. So got a plane, flew in, stayed with Buddy, flew back into Los Angeles early that Saturday morning because I had friends coming in. So then we drove down from Chula, caught that amazing show, drove back up here for this incredible show. And then, you know, I'm sure you all will be covering it, but a few days later, Santa Barbara and then the four nights in Vegas. So at this point, I still had a, a little bit of wind left, but I was certainly uh, starting to, to feel the last week and a half. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. That's yeah, like good for you, man. tour. Yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah. I think I caught the same bug that a lot of people did. Um, you know, not just with fish, but since we're talking that, um, you know, during the pandemic, once they were coming back, you know, I was certainly like, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize how much I'd miss this. I'm going to go to literally as much as I can. I know everybody says, well, I'm going to go see as much as I can, but yeah, we really tried to make that a point last year. Not only, you know, that it was after that summer tour and we saw the strength of that and went, Oh my gosh, well, we're not going to miss any if we can do anything about it. But yeah, so we are about halfway through our, our touring schedule, as was Fish at this point. How was that Phoenix show? I know we're not going to get into depth about it, but there was like some nice moments, right? Some like really yeah. nice moments, right? Yeah, it was really great. There was, um, well, let's see, you know, just talking, uh, you know, there's small market, there's off market shows are really fun. Um, you see a lot of, a lot of new, uh, a lot of the people going are, a lot of the same faces that you see from place to place, but it was great. I flew in again. It was kind of last second. Uh, I ended up staying with a college buddy who I hadn't seen in six or seven years. So that was great. Brought him to the show. Um, and that was really fun. I remember, I don't have the set list in front of me, but really great take on soul planet. There's a fun mm-hmm. March monster that jammed a bit. I think right after that, I could have them flipped. Um, there's a loving cut. Loving Cup second set opener, which is again curveball, which but that was a lot of fun. It's maybe not everybody's favorite song to listen to. I love that cover, but when they started playing that to open, you know, Paige gets on the keys and the place roared. Uh, I think we had our first mics of that tour right after the the Loving Cup, and then the if anybody needs to go back and listen to one thing from the Phoenix show, I'd recommend that Hood. Just a totally different take gets. I think it's Trey that sends them into the minor key pretty early on, and they just kind of stay in that zone for really the whole time. It's not one of those blissy peaks. It's kind of, you know, you know, it's hood, but it's mm-hmm. really one of the more interesting uh, hoods that I've seen. Um, so if there's one thing I can recommend from Phoenix, it's the hood. And then I know that you all covered the absolutely monstrous show both in terms of output but also the jamming style i think of the the chula vista show uh the night before the forum but yeah it's a really great week and just before we dive into the forum show i just wanted to mention uh how interesting you know that week was and even the following day into santa barbara or the following uh show i should say because santa barbara was two days after la but a lot of times you know fish fans we always talk about how Fish really benefits from staying in one place, one city, one venue for multiple nights, um, you know, for obvious reasons. Uh, And what's interesting is that this fall tour is being, you know, 
widely praised as one of the best in 10, 15, 20 years I've seen, what have you. It's obviously subjective, but I think we can all agree that it was very, very strong at the, uh, at the least. And out of the 13 shows, five of them were only one stops, one stop, uh, you know, one stops to the, to the venue I'm thinking Sacramento. And then we had these four in a row. We had Phoenix on Friday, uh, Chula Vista on Saturday. We had LA on Sunday and then Santa Barbara Tuesday. And I just thought that's really interesting given the strength of the tour. Yeah. That's a lot of travel for them to be doing. Yeah. And they were, they didn't, they didn't, there weren't a lot of off nights, you know, um, We've been talking about this this Fall 97 tour and do, starting to do the interviews for Fall 97. And it's interesting. It was sort of, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if we should compare them. Although I think Fall 2021 was the best Fall tour in many years. I don't know how many years, but they, they it's sort of a similar thing. I mean, Sacramento was was probably maybe the least strong of, of them, but... And I'd agree. Still, but it's still like by sec- by the second night in San Francisco, they were they were on, you know? Um, and it was really, it's really interesting to think about, um, as we go back to these, to these fall shows, you know, from last year. And I'm, I'm at the same time I'm doing these fall shows in fall 97. And I don't know, there's, there's a similarity there just in terms of the, the unpredictability and the kind of like the way they hit the ground running. Yeah. And a commitment to try new things and also just be jamming anything anywhere. Like, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I agree. Great point, Matt. Thank you. And so the forum, we were talking a little bit before we went on air about the forum. This is the seventh time they played there. Um, They played there two nights in 2018 and then in 16, 15, 14, and then in 2003. So they haven't played there a lot. And you were telling me it used to be the home of the LA Lakers, but now it's more of a concert venue. I'm glad that Matt could tell you that. You did not know that before, which I think is fine. No. <laughs> the forum. Come I on. Know, I don't know anything about basketball or baseball. So those metaphors are always just like over my head. Fair. Yeah. Although I think one time I did make a really good baseball metaphor. But anyway, um, usually I can't. <laughs> and I, I know even less about baseball or basketball. Even less. Just even less. I mean, at one th- point, I thought that Scottie Pippen played on the Pistons, which is not true. So in case you didn't know. But um, – yeah, that was when I lived in Michigan too. So I really had no excuse. You got they were rivals. They were yeah, rivals. Yeah, they were like kind of associated, right? Midwestern teams. Anyway, so Matt, the forum though looks cool. Like it it has a really beautiful outside, like old school kind of venue looking to it. The pictures people take in front of it are cool. So I'd love to hear kind of about the vibe of the show. And I think seeing Fish in LA is interesting. I saw them at the Greek Theater, I was telling you before we went on. And it's just such a different vibe than anything you're going to see on the East coast. Yeah, it is. And uh, you know, the thing with about the forum is that um, you know, well, it's not, it's not in the, in the greatest area, but um, once you kind of get through that, it's a really just really expansive parking lot, maybe not as expansive. I know you were at the Jones beach shows this past summer as well, Megan, and you know what that parking lot is. It's just, yeah never ending yeah right it's not quite like that but you know once you're in that parking lot you're really in the you're with everybody it's really that whole lot scene and I was a little apprehensive walking into the venue not for any other reason than the lines the previous two nights had been disastrous 
Uh, the Phoenix, I don't know how old that venue is, but there were two entrances on either side and the lines wrapped around to the other entrance, uh, which was oh my God, concerning walking up. And then <laughs> Chula, I mean, I've never been in my seat as close to the opening notes as that show. And I hope to never uh, be that close again. But uh, so after, after those two nights, you know, we're all hanging in the parking lot doing the usual um, meet and greets and saying hello, seeing what's up. And the whole time I'm like, guys, we got, we got two, we got an hour and a half. Come on. We got to start. We got to get back in line. And everybody's like, relax. Yeah. Relax, you're relax. getting that like anxiety. And yeah. finally everybody's like, all right, Matt, we'll go in, we'll go in. We round up everybody and we get there and there are no lines. So that was really nice. Um, I don't know if it's because the forum might host a lot more events between the sports and the concerts than, uh, than the other uh, venues I mentioned do. But uh, other than that, it was great. Like I mentioned, I was living in, in LA at the time. So not only did I have my fish crew with me that was visiting from all over, but uh, we got to run into a lot of my LA friends that aren't necessarily fish, fish fans, but uh, they had a really good time. And some of them, it was their first time seeing fish and, you know how that is, just them seeing the parking lot, the spectacle, the whoa, what's the circus doing here? And uh, so that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's the best. I got to take my cousin to um, a show at the show at Jones Beach this summer. And he's been to actually the only thing, I think he went to the Great Went, was like his only fish experience, which I think is hilarious to have a festival be like your only fish experience. But it was so fun taking him onto a lot and like walking him through. It's like, there's nothing like introducing someone to that and having them experience that with you. It's so much fun. Love that. Um, Matt, where, where are you originally from? I am originally from Baltimore, ba- Baltimore. So Meriwether is the, yeah. Yeah, the for no, not Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah, no, that, that's, I mean, that's how people from Baltimore you know, pronounce it. It's fine. <laughs> that's it. I, just, yes. I was just wondering what you think about this comment from uh, our YouTube viewer know, that West Coast shade. crowds are weak. Ugh. What do you think? I a lot. I, <laughs> you know. Uh, what, what are the crowds like, honestly? Because I've only seen San Francisco shows. I haven't seen an L.A. show, but I know that, like, I, I guess I liken it to, like, L.A. sports fans, which I know are, like, famously fair weather. But I, oh, I, yeah. that might not be fair. No, it's that's a very fair take, RJ. Uh, I do think there's a little, uh, I don't know if it's jealousy or just playfulness, but uh, yeah, the West Coast dates, whenever those are announced, do like to get poked fun at. But uh, yeah, LA, uh, there was a yeah, they're 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 fair weather. Um, there isn't a huge scene there. What is? It's it's rather small, but. Uh, you know, you have the usual when you walk in there, you can tell that a lot, a lot more people in the forum that night uh, weren't familiar with fish compared to the Chulas or the uh, whatever, the Action Pavilion Phoenix. Um, so, yeah, I feel like there were a lot more newcomers. There was quite a bit of chatter as the show was beginning. But honestly, I was surprised because I was at the shows in 2018. And from what I remember, it was just it was a chatterbox in there, which, you know, it happens, but, uh, no, the place, the place quiet, quieted down pretty quickly. And, um, I guess that's what happens when you play Yem in the two slot. Yeah, seriously. They're like, you know, pay attention. <laughs> yeah. And I got it. I know Megan, I don't want to go too far ahead, but I mean, we talked the other day we had Arvind on about the, uh, Chula Vista show. And we were talking about the kind of one of the themes of the tour being, 
you know, the, the willingness to kind of go deep with, with songs you didn't expect. And it's interesting, like in the, in the two slot here, you have, you enjoy myself going back to sort of being a jam vehicle, which it wasn't for a long time. And, um, and you know, that kind of morphed into like even skipping vocal jams, which is so great. Um, or, or not skipping, but shortening to go back into jams. But I like how this goes. And then it takes the vocal jam kind of into MoMA dance, which is just, I mean, what a wild experience. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just want to mention one more point because I know we're sticking on the forum show, but it, it was really interesting listening back to just this weekend, kind of one stop, one stop, one stop, and how three of the songs that have been in the repertoire as long as any of them, I'm thinking Hood from Pr- Friday, The Fluffhead in Chula, and then The Yem in LA. Three songs has been, they've been in the repertoire as long as ever, and just new takes on them not maybe not completely new takes but you had a minor key hood you had the second if you want to note that as a jammed out fluff head ever and then uh type 2 yem i mean when does that ever happen any of those things rarely um, and some of them they're doing them in the first set like sometimes like they're playing yem divided sky fluff head simple all in the first set of a lot of these shows and yeah. taking them deep like right away yeah it's you know, that was kind of their thing, right? Like no set list rules. We can jam anything anywhere. It's it's great. I love like the wave of hope as an opener too. I think that's kind of like a Sigma Oasis feel like we're going to just ease into the show and then we're playing Yam and we're going to play this like super dancey, unbelievable, like space funk kind of reminds me a lot of what we got this summer, like in Atlantic City, a lot of this like mm-hmm. really funky, spacey sounds with like the synths and the pedals love the super short vocal jam like yes this is a perfect vocal jam like it barely exists it's great and then right back into the jam and i it was interesting because it wasn't like how they've been creeping back into the jam like one person goes on an instrument at a time it was more just like right back into it which was pretty cool but yeah this is a fantastic jam like i imagine the place must have gone crazy yeah i uh when they first went into yem you know the place absolutely exploded and i just thought oh that is going to be the biggest crowd eruption of the weekend i was wrong as of set yeah. two, we'll get into that <laughs> that's I, always a good a good problem when you have when you're wrong about something like that yeah yeah and i just you know i wanted to mention how great because the the night before chula is in my opinion i mean that's as good as it got last year in terms of a full show and that jamming, as you all described in the last podcast, I mean, it is just it, that was a monstrous show again in terms of quality, but also the types of the type of jamming was it was demented, it was evil, it was dissonant, it was. I, I had never heard a full show of fish like that, and the next night in L.A., the jamming it's it's delicate, it's serene. It's just very light. And, you know, you, you hear a bit of that in the in the yem, but uh, especially as we get into the MoMA dance and that simple, oh, my goodness, the simple into the waiting all night is just absolutely spectacular. I wouldn't even call that necessarily a segue from the simple to the waiting all night as I would a mashup of the two songs. I mean, they are just the rhythm section is pumping. And all of a sudden you hear Trey come in with the lyrics and you just go, oh, my God. I mean, it's like they were just singing. <laughs> what, what they were doing was just singing, waiting all night on top of that simple jam. And it was just, oh, I listen to it all the time. 
Yeah. It's funny because I forgot about that. And I was listening back to the show yesterday and I was like, oh my God, I forgot about this. Like, it's so cool and planned. I don't know. I mean, it just, it's so beautiful and they seem to find that spot so easy. And it definitely is. I agree. He's singing that over the jam in Simple, which is just so cool. I love that. It's so beautiful. It's so soulful, that Simple too. Really funky. The moment is absolutely awesome. I didn't want the jam to end, but they found Simple. And so I'll take that for sure. And it was sort of like one long jam, you know, like yeah. that, that whole first set, which is, it would have worked if you, if you had presented this as a second set, I wouldn't have been surprised at all. You know, like Definitely. wave of hope, you enjoy myself, mama dance, simple. I mean, it just, it kind of all works. And that's, um, it's, it's pretty cool when that, when that happens. Um, I don't know what, Matt, what was like the, the crowd, energy like during this during this first set i mean was it what were people like losing their minds or was it more like a a, a mellow kind of groove because i don't think any of these jams really got to like the you know like really huge peaks it was more of a groove focused kind of set right. um I, I wonder what what it was like in there for for that set yeah we were on the floor for it and you know kind of our really just kind of dead mid dead center right in the middle um and when they go into yem so you know a wave of hope at the time i don't i don't know how many times they played it at this point one or two maybe this may have been the third i'm not sure i could check but i know this summer it is known it is a jam vehicle when i hear that i go let's go buckle up at this time, it was still, you know, very new. I had only heard it a second few time. times. Yeah, second time. So yeah. when it was played and then when Trey obviously released it. But when they first started playing, I'm not going to lie. It was one of those, I like, go, oh, which one is this? It's, I know it's yeah. a new song, but it was kind of, that was kind of the crowd. You know, sometimes it's, oh, what is, what is this one? Uh, but then once they drop into Yem, the place was rocking. But to your point, RJ, after... Uh, after Yem, things kind of mellowed out. And I, I think that has to do with uh, not saying that the crowd wasn't latched on, but just the rest of that jamming from the MoMA through the you know start of Maze and even some of that Maze jam. It's, it's really that more kind of delicate. Uh, there's a lot more space. And I think people were just, as you mentioned, just kind of more grooving along than the, than the Yem and the, what was to be the, uh, parts of the second set that we'll get into, but it was a, it was a, a relatively mild crowd. Does that, I wonder, I wonder, I mean, you get, there's no answer for this, but I'm curious about our, <laughs> our thoughts. I wonder what the, what it's like to be in the shoes of the band and, and only the band could answer this, but, um, you know, and kind of like see the crowd reacting to this in a way, like, I wonder how much it affects it because I do think this, I guess this whole tour was more kind of groove focused than like big raging rock peaks. But um, I wonder how much the, the mellowness of the crowd rubs off on the band. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And, you know, one of my favorite seats in MSG is directly behind the band section. What is that? 112. Yeah. Uh, see exactly that. The, the interaction between band and, and uh, audience. And, um, you know, I don't think that you could go to any MSG show and have it really be that mellow. 
Uh, yeah. so that's why we uh, love it. <laughs> yeah. Cause every time, you know, when anytime I'm behind the stage with the quote unquote band's point of view, you know, all I see are 28,000 people losing their minds. Um, but yeah, no, that's a really good question. I don't, I don't know if I have an answer for that, at least for this forum show, but it's got to play, you know, it's, it's got to play into things to some extent, I'd think. I mean, I don't know. Do I feel like the, the band's gotten so used to such an intent focused audience. Like they're really used to us listening really closely. And I think that they know that we will go anywhere. That's interesting. I think that they have learned throughout the years that like we're on board. I mean, we're probably like the best audience you can have if you're a band. Like we like new material. We like it when you try new things and take risks. We, you know, we always want to have fun and hear your old songs too. Like, I think we're like the best audience and I feel like they are probably, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm wondering, I think that they feel like we're with them no matter what, but maybe that's naive. I don't know. I'd be curious too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting how like amazing this whole fall tour was and it was all West coast, you know, I mean, that doesn't, I'm not saying West coast tours can't be amazing, but um, there was a really just a, a great vibe the entire tour. So clearly it worked, you know? Um, but it is interesting to think about whether if that tour had been in, you know, Reading and wherever <laughs> else in the Northeast, like would it have taken on a different shape musically? I don't know. I wonder. I mean, I think this tour was mostly influenced by like the sci-fi soldier stuff. And yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. And also just how like, you know, inspired they all were to be playing again but yeah i agree i think they probably would have sounded hot no matter where they were yeah yeah i think you know sonically you hit it right on the head uh it's, it's sci-fi soldier but again we're still carrying off that not only the momentum from summer tour but now these are the west coast fans real first you know their first um exactly to see it in you know them 20 months however long it's been since their last shows but you know they're just with 2021, there were so many factors given the um, the unprecedented world we were in that, you know, it's so hard, but it's certainly fun to speculate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's get into this second set then. Um, this is pretty exciting, this second set, and it was so fun to listen back to. I love opening with Cars, Trucks, Buses. I, I feel like this is such a throwback song. It's like the jazzy piano. RJ, this is like as close as we're ever going to get to like jazz standards that we want them to yeah. play. <laughs> this is the new Take the A Train. This is it. This is as close yeah. as we're going to get. And like, yeah. I, I remember when I was seeing a lot of shows in fall of 95 on the West Coast, they played this at like every show. And hmm. we didn't even know what it was yet because they were debuting all the Billy Breathe stuff. But um, it's, I love this song. And I think it's a great way to open the set. And then dropping into tweezer. Yeah. Cars, trucks, buses, great little nod to LA traffic. I know they also, I think they opened up one of the shows in Atlantic city last summer with cars, trucks, yes. and buses as another nod. Um, but yeah, great, great little, I love the, I don't want to call them warm up songs, but songs that aren't going to jam quick little four or five minute set opener. Um, I know I always yeah. think of Alpharetta last summer with the more into the huge tweezer. Uh, they did something similar this past summer at the man, but uh, you know, the car trucks buses. Great. We know that's not going to jam or will it, 
I shouldn't, I shouldn't be so naive, but then (laughs) and you get that similar, just the crowd, the, okay, let's go big tweezer, right? Wrong. This is only about five minutes. Uh, And now, I mean, we all know now that the tweezer goes into the cover of LA woman, which alluding back to my first set comments, the place erupted, absolutely erupted when they went into Amazing. Yeah. I, wanna, um, I don't want to interrupt, but I, but I am already. So I, so I guess I do want to interrupt <laughs> um, because I have to take my kids to a Halloween thing at their school and I'm going to drop off, but I, I didn't want to do that without saying something because I just want to say this, uh, this set is so wild and, and so fun. And um, Matt, I wish I could stay longer to talk about it with you, but I'm going to let you, let you both keep, keep talking. And um, I look forward to listening to the rest. Thanks, RJ. Enjoy. Nice seeing you. Yeah, have fun. Oh, I will. Believe me, it's all about fun for me. <laughs> Enjoy, guys. It sounds fun. Wow. All right. Bye. See you soon. Yeah, like you were saying, Matt, this LA woman is crazy. I just love that it's like this huge doors bust out. You know, they teased it in 92 and 93, both in Possum, just crazy. Then they played it in a soundtrack in 93. And then they played it two times, right? This They played it in 2003 in Miami with George Clinton and the P-Funk. And then here, it's just, I mean, this is a huge, huge bust out. In LA, people must have just lost it. Exactly. And because of that, like you said, they've only played it one, actually played it one time prior. And it was almost 20 years ago. I don't think anybody had this cover on their bingo cards. I know, you know, everybody played their five songs on an encore or, you know, throwing covers. We always love to guess all that. And I don't think any, none of our friends uh, had any idea. And, you know, now when I listen back to it time and time again, I can obviously hear when, you know, Trey starts going into the LA woman, but at the time, and I'm sitting there, eyes are closed and I'm just thinking they're going into whatever tweezer jam. And yeah, those, you know, the, the second Trey starts those lyrics you know, your hands just go up and you go, oh, my God. <laughs> and you, during the during the Mr. Mojo rising, uh, I think 99.9% of everybody in that venue was singing along to that. Just it was just oh, a, I love that. it was a it was one of my favorite moments of the tour that, you know, might not come through on the headphones, but it's one of those moments that sticks with you. Uh, and it, it was special. I've got chills. That reminds me of like sometimes why I like to listen to the audience recordings or the soundboards because like you can't hear that on the live fish, you know. You can't. You can't. You can't. And, listening and- to this, I was yeah listening for it, and I went. Uh, you can kind of hear it at the beginning, but yeah, to your point, this show demands uh, uh, an, an audience audience recording. Yeah, like so great. I mean, I just, I love those moments and I love that. I can just imagine everyone going crazy. It's so fun. Huge bust out. I love, I was reading about it too, that when they played this in 2003, they hadn't like planned to play it, that Trey just started playing it and everybody was like, you know, uh, okay, yes, like we're, 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 we're playing play this. this. On the fly. You're right. Yeah. And like they'd sound checked it before, but that was 10 years before, you know, it's just, I I love that like they were doing crazy things like that. And I think that jam, like the last third of the jam in LA woman after like they do the teaser, the tweezer tease again, it is so cool. It's like spacey and the effect pedals is just so awesome. I, I just, I've listened to it a few times. Like it was just so great. 
this whole set is crazy. It's so it crazy. is. It is. And then, you know, that that as you mentioned, kind of fizzles out into a tweezer tease back into a little bit of that LA woman. And then we get is it Ghost or is it Santos? It was Santos. And the Santos was pretty darn good too. Awesome. Longest version to date, eleven right. minutes, forty-six seconds. It's like you can hear right at like six minutes in where they would usually kind of end the song and you can hear it just like go out. And I just imagine that moment must've been like, what? And then like you said, this beautiful, earnest, like uplifting jam. Who would think that coming out of Santos? Right. And once they started playing that way with Santos, you, you just had a feeling that, okay, this is the vibe of the show. And it's, you know, that that just gets stamped with the what's the use that comes after this. And I think there is even a, um, you know, another tweezer tease between Santos and what's the use. I could be wrong. But, you know, after another teaser, tweezer tease, crowd knows it's going to be some type of tweezer fest along with these bust outs. I mean, the crowd was the band had the crowd. um for a majority of this show, especially, you know, through the what's the use. I think that the the start of this set through that what's the use is just, it's a perfect 30, 30 minutes, whatever it might be, 40 minutes. It really is. And to RJ's point earlier, and so much of what they were doing so well last year, and at moments this summer too, is that the songs didn't really matter. They're like launching pads for like the next bit of jamming, right? It's like, we're just going to use this to like continue these like awesome jams we're doing. And this is a gorgeous what's the use. It's just so pretty, so well played. You can tell the crowd is absolutely quiet. It's, it's so beautiful. And then there's another tweezer jam and it's got the heartbreaker tease. It's like super rocking. You got fish on like the wood blocks. He's just like killing it. It's like dancey and rhythmic. And then it gets really quiet and then builds up quickly into birds of a feather, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And the birds is pretty good too. Um, Mm -hmm. I am, I'm not the, I know it's kind of sacrilege. Some of my friends, I'm not the biggest birds fan, but when it, when they started playing it, um, I think it's just because that jarring, the jarring intro, the yeah. kind of voice just takes me out of it for a sec. But uh, no, the birds, the birds was really great. And man, what, what were there? Was it the man? I, how do you pronounce it? Do you say Manteca or Manteca? Manteca? Yeah, there were, I can't remember if it was the birds or the chalk dust that was littered with Manteca teases at one point. In fact, I'm pretty sure my one buddy just started screaming Manteca and all the people around, (laughs) the the people around us thought that we were absolutely insane. Uh, (laughs) That just, again, it it was a lot of, a lot of energy continued through that chalk dust. The chalk dust I think is only six, seven minutes. Mm -hmm. Not the jam vehicle. It's been recently, but that was a lot of fun too with this teases. I'm I'm going to be there, by the way, when they do decide to play a proper Manteca. But yes, you are. You are. <laughs> and then after that, it you know, the band just kind of started playing a few more songs. Uh the the rest of this set reminded me a bit about of uh Night One at Bethel, which mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. not a problem. It's not everybody's cup of tea, but it's by no means a, a, an issue. But they just kind of started playing song after song after song after that, which was okay in my book. I don't know how this band 
played a three hour show tonight after the the weekend they had had. I know that's what's crazy, right? Is they come on after these like crazy hot shows and then they're able to do this. I think when it's funny when you look at this set list for set two, especially after they've been playing some four and a couple five and six seconds song second sets, this one looks a little bit like jukebox fish. But when you listen to it, you realize like how especially the first you know, least half of it are just, is just incredible. But I think still, even like you said, the birds of a feather is great. The last two minutes are absolutely beautiful, like crazy petals, super effect yep. heavy. Mike's doing some like really cool shit at the end of birds of a feather. I love the like funky, funky baseline they've got in chalk dust that leads into boogie on, which is boogie on's almost a little slower than it usually is. It sounded like to me, just like right. a little bit slowed down. Um, I'll always take a boogie on. It's like one of my most favorite covers that they play. It's just the sexiest song that Fish sings. Ugh. It's so good. Like I'll always take it. Yeah. And then I think I was not expecting Karini, especially because now I think of Karini as like this monster jam vehicle. So it's like so right. funny that they would just like throw it in there. And then Mr. Completely also. Which what, like, has up to that point, I think it may have been its seventh, eighth, ninth appearance. And I think most of them were monsters or if not monsters mm-hmm. you know, hit the jam charts or a good 12, 13, 14 minute or, and this was five minutes, maybe. Yeah. Um, it's but, interesting. I mean, yeah. Again, you know, the band decided they just wanted to play a few more songs before uh, lighting the place on fire with tweet tweezer reprises always. And that's what they did. Yeah. And always a great way to end a set where you've got to like a tweezer fest. You got to like put the bow on it, seal it up, rock it out. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think, you know, again, as I just mentioned, as tired as we were, I cannot imagine how this band must have been feeling. And even after this set, I thought, I think a lot of us thought, okay, it was a good three nights, great, great three nights, three different cities, give us something quick and, you know, let's all meet up in Santa Barbara. And then the band decides to throw a jam on us in the encore. And it was, again, just what is happening? It's so great. I want to get to some of these comments, but first let's talk about the encore and then I'll pull up some of these comments and we can talk about them because I think they're great. But, you know, Grind is a special encore, a special song that they play. You know, they've only played it 28 times out of all the shows, you know, so 1.5% of fish shows. So you are just not going to get a grind all the time. It takes preparation, right? They have to like figure out the number of days they've been alive and they have yeah, to like come out. Time, yep. Yeah, it's inching up. It's They have to practice. So this is a song that shows like, even though they're playing a different show in a different city, all these three nights in a row and, and, you know, just doing an amazing job. They're also rehearsing these songs that are special, like grind. And it's so cool. You know, it's, it's amazing. And they have a proper jammed out gin almost, you know, over 14 minutes. Yeah. That's a really good point that you made, Megan. It's that, you know, and I think we all know that, but this band clearly is not just going through the motions, even with a song that, you know, it's not a, they're not playing their instruments up there for, and a lot of people might, not care too much for a grind. That's, you know, some people, I'm not saying that's me, but uh, even, even a quick little silly acapella and they still have to go back and rewrite it to an extent and memorize it. And ber- or even though they might have the papers out there, but uh, yeah, it just, it's a great little example of even on a, it's just how intentional they are with really every piece of their performance. Um, 
I never really thought of it like that. I think that's the word intention. You know, this band is, yeah, I think there are a lot of things that we don't even realize, you know, that we might seem as throwaway, but you know, maybe they were like, let's play LA woman tonight, you know, and they practiced it. Um, it sounded practiced for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they come out, let's play grind tonight. You know, they're always doing extra and it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty awesome. And, uh, Pete Shaw says, uh, West Coast fans for this whole run were very much into it. Believe me, the quality of these shows were not lost on them. I agree. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. And Jacob Yora says the that birds into chalk dust was so killer. I lucked out with Chula the night before being my first show and this one being my second. Oh my God. Yeah, that's like when you see your first couple of shows and they're that good, it's like <laughs> it's amazing. So inspiring. It's awesome. I love that like new fans in 4.0 can get shows like this and it's just as amazing as like somebody's first show being like, you know, 1230, 97 or 1231, you know, 93 or so, you know, like, this is so awesome. I love that. Yeah, it's pretty great, man. I don't even know how I feel. I remember it. I didn't know what was going on until probably my sixth or seventh fifth show. So yeah, (laughs) that's great. That's a great start though. You can't start much better than, uh, than the Chula Vista show is your first. No, I mean, that's a killer show and you're not going to forget it for sure. Although I haven't forgotten my first show and it was, you know, just a regular night, 94 in Michigan in November, but it was still a really great show. And I, there's so many moments that are forever like imprinted Mm -hmm. on my mind from that night. You know, it's just, it's it's hard to forget your first, I guess, in many ways, but yeah. Well, the show was awesome and it was so fun to go back to listen to. And Matt, anytime I get a chance to talk to you, always makes me so happy. We finally got a chance to meet this summer at Jones Beach, have a hug, and I can't wait till you move to Brooklyn and we get to hang out and yeah, we can talk more fish. Yeah, I'll see some shows, um, whether the first ones are MSG or not, but definitely excited to hopefully meet back up around MSG and yeah, I can't wait to listen to the rest of the tour's recaps. Yeah, thanks so much. You're the best. And uh, I'm going to do a quick ad read and then we'll let everybody go. So All right. we just want to remind, thanks, Matt. We just want to remind everyone about Sunset Lake CBD. Their line of smokable hemp products are for the old deadhead or for the young fish fan. Anybody searching for a mellow body high, smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis, but without the paranoid and anxious side effects. They've got nine different strains from this year's harvest. Hawaiian Haze is awesome for an outdoor show, and Cherry Abacus is best for the end of the night. And all the flower is grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. And I'm sure you've heard us talk about it before, but they have incredible shipping. It comes straight from their farm to your door. It's super fast. It's inexpensive, and it's just a great way to get your product directly from them. I love Sunset Lake. It's totally changed how I use CBD. I love their gummies for sleep, and I also really like smoking their smokables because they're just a nice way to feel like you're actually smoking something, but you can also get some shit done, which is nice. So check them out at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the coupon code HFPOD. You're going to get 20% off all products. So we will be back next week. I think we are going to take Halloween off so everybody can get up to no good and celebrate spooky season. And we'll be back next Wednesday and we'll let you all know what that is going to be on our socials. So looking forward to seeing everybody then. And thanks again, Matt. I really appreciate your time. Talk soon, Megan. Thanks. Okay. Bye everyone.
Osiris. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.